Welcome to our Monday morning chapel. Please join me in the responsory verses as printed in our bulletin. I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. The scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the letter of 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. My mother and, at times, my grandmothers used to quote a phrase to me you've maybe probably heard, good things come to those who wait. Good things come to those who wait. That phrase apparently first appeared at the hand of a British poet in the late 1800s named Lady Mary Curry, known as Violet Fane by her pseudonym. And she hung around with a lot of Britain's greatest writers at the time, Robert Browning and Oscar Wilde and so on. And that phrase implies to us that the waiting is the hardest part, as the great theologian Tom Petty 
as often said. It'd be interesting to take a yellow highlighter through your Bible and to highlight all of the passages in the New Testament, especially, that uh, have to do with waiting, have to do with being prepared for our Lord's return, staying ready for the end of time. And these, the passage before us today is one of those great passages. The, the Christian church is a waiting church. It's a, a church of anticipation. And it's really, if you think about it, waiting and anticipation is built into everything we do as Christians. It's what the entire ministry of word and sacrament is built around, this concept of, of waiting for our Lord's return. And you can see it if you just page through the hymn book and look at phrases that you'll find likewise in the hymns. And uh, uh, also in the prayers that you'll see, the collects that the church has used historically for years. The pericope, uh, the very readings, that uh, schedule of readings and calendar of readings that Christians have used has so much in it about the same concept. And why does God have to say so much to us about this challenge of waiting and being in this period of anticipation? What is it about waiting that's just so hard for us and so difficult for, for me, for you? Throughout time, God has used little miniature pictures, if you will, of, of Judgment Day. And he puts those into Scripture, little historical, actual accounts and how people responded to them as, as little lessons for us to learn about being ready for the great day that is coming. Uh, think about the story of the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, at the night of the Passover, Jesus talking about the destruction coming on the city of Jerusalem. All of these stories, if you will, are little miniatures of the greater final judgment that's coming that Peter refers to here. He calls it the revelation of Jesus Christ, the day that Christ will come back in all of his glory and be revealed. And uh, every eye will see him, we're told. I remember when I was in high school, I was sitting on a hill in New Ulm with a friend one night during a lightning storm. And suddenly there was lightning that went all the way across the sky and went, took out the whole sky. Anybody looking at the sky that night saw it, I'm sure. And Jesus says that's the way it'll be at the, when he finally returns and is revealed. Every eye will see that this is, this is that it's not going to be some little thing happening here and there. This is going to be the day. It'll be well known to people. So God gives us little miniatures to help prepare us to learn from in Scripture about how we should be spiritually prepared for the day that our, our Lord does return. Now, for the believer, it's a day of hopefulness, but to the unbeliever, of course, it's a, it's a whole different story. Listen to what Jesus said. It will come as a snare, that means a trap, on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, speaking of, of unbe the unbelieving world. Um, Dr. Walther explained that verse this way. He says, As the animal wanders without care through the grass, the hunter suddenly bursts out of the thicket and throws the net over his unsuspecting prey. The trembling animal is quickly and firmly bound until it is unable to move. So, in this same way, God prepares his last day in secret for a falsely secure world. And that's quite, a, quite an imagery for us, isn't it? So the danger that, that we have is that the longer we have to wait, the more we have to live in anticipation of this day, the more difficult it becomes to stay ready and to stay focused. And possibly the more tempting it will be for us to 
to drop this faith and to walk away from it. You can kind of see this same problem, if you will, in little children. If, if someone told a group of children to go watch by the window because grandma is coming this afternoon to take you to something wonderful, they would be a lot more alert and ready at 1 o'clock than they would be at 5 o'clock. By 5 o'clock, some of them might even have given up on the whole thing, even though the promise was still there and she may still be coming. The longer that we have to wait, the more we are tempted to think it's never going to happen. So really, our generation, because we're even further away from when Christ told us he was coming back than the generation Peter was writing to, think how much further away we are, it's actually more difficult and tempting for us because we have this added weight of thinking to ourselves, well, it hasn't happened in 2,000 years, and so... Who knows if it's ever going to happen? There's a, even a greater temptation on us in that way. Notice that, that Peter is so well aware of the dangers that can come to us because of our sinful human nature and how we can think. There's, there's so much out there in the world to confuse us and, and to distract us from being really ready and having our focus on going to heaven someday. You know, he, he uses the expression, gird up the loins of your mind. And last week in chapel, I referred to the, the Passover night when the children of Israel had to bind up their clothing to be ready to go that night. Gird up the loins of your mind, is what Peter says, using that same type of imagery. And um, that night of the Passover, I wonder if there were any teenagers in those Israelite homes waiting for this night to come. I wonder if there were any teenagers that, that took out little games and started to play some games. There are a number of games we know that the Egyptians had. I looked a few of these ancient games up. Knuckle bones, made from ankle bones of sheep. Circle dance, as a dance the children would play. Another board, a board game they found in Tutankhamun's tomb, and that is called Senate. And uh, can you imagine any teenagers that night kind of goofing around with games like that while they're waiting for this great day of judgment? Can you imagine if the parents saw that, what they would say to them? Put that away. We've got to stay focused on what's coming here. There are so what, what things in your life or my life right now are there that distract you from really staying ready for Christ's return? What things do you have on your mind and heart that seem so important right now that might possibly kind of blind us a little bit to staying ready for our Savior's return. So how do we stay sober-minded, as Peter calls upon us? The Greek word there means to be well-balanced. It means sober, self-controlled. He says this, rest your hope completely upon the grace of Christ. That's a great phrase. Rest your hope completely upon the grace of Christ. He's calling you to the cross. He's calling you to the foot of your Savior. And you find him through his word and sacrament. This is how you gird up your loins. And you're doing that even right now. You do it when you take your repentance seriously. When you don't act like flippantly about, about your sins. But take seriously the need that we have to repent of our sins before God and to hear of his grace and forgiveness. And then to completely put your trust, completely put your confidence in the arms of your Savior and not at all in yourself. Uh, the one who went to the cross to shed his blood to pay for every sin you and I have ever done. 
There's a delayed blessing that comes to listening to the word of Christ and to following this Savior. Uh, the children of Israel that night, as they exited their homes and they could hear the crying in the other houses of the Egyptians, as they, as they wandered out into the great mass exodus out of Egypt that night, I'm sure many of them were very grateful for the warning God had given them. And they saw, they saw directly the blessing of listening to his word and making sure to follow and stay with that word. And they realized how blessed they were to be his people. On our final day, as, as we leave this life, depart this life, and head into the mansions of heaven, think of the gratitude and appreciation we're going to have for how God warned us to stay ready as well. Good things may come to those who wait in this life, but eternally good things, in fact, the best things, come to those who wait in Christ. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Today we offer a special prayer on behalf of the sister of Dr. Brian Klebig. Her name is Jordan. Um, she and, um, has a husband and two children and um, has recently suffered with some strokes. Let us keep her in our prayers. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you on behalf of your child, Jordan. We pray that you would now put to use for her the wonderful blessings of modern medicine uh, that she might uh, have a full and speedy recovery from these difficulties. We place her into your loving arms, knowing that you have purchased for her and for all of us the everlasting home we have in heaven. Uh, bind her heart in your love, and also we pray that you would uh, strengthen her and give her greater confidence in the wonderful promises you have given us in Christ our Lord. We ask this all in our Savior's saving name. Amen.
Now may the triune God of your baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you. Go in peace. Amen.